But you notice those last three verses there in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mightest by them, or thou mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So for the last several weeks, with the exception of last week, we've been talking about how you change our culture. And not necessarily so much the culture surrounding us, but the culture that we are from in our own households. We all have a culture that we are associated with and we live it in our day-to-day lives and how we do everything. Our habits that we have, the food that we eat, the way we celebrate things, it often shows our culture. How we deal with our spouse often, uh, you know, deals with, uh, the, deals with our culture. There are certain things you just kind of expect from different cultures. You have certain cultures that really like to fight. You've got other cultures that are really passive. Okay. And, you know, the Irish culture, they're known for like fighting. You know, and if you ever watch a good Irish movie, you know, there's always some often good domestic disputes between the husband and the wife. That's kind of something Irish people are known for. And I probably shouldn't say this, but you know, when I was out there with the O'Hagans in Ireland, it was funny because, uh, you know, Miss Fiona, she's a little bit of a backseat driver. And, you know, she would kind of like be getting on to Brother Clive for how he was driving and missing turns and things like that. And, you know, they'd kind of get going. She kept saying, you're going to see our first domestic pastor <laughs> and, and just kind of joking about it. And I'm just going to tell you, I really kind of enjoyed it. You know, it's just, you, you, got, you get to kind of see some of that culture. And uh, it reminded me of some movies I'd seen. And it actually reminded me of me and my wife. We must be Irish because she's a backseat driver. And I tend to uh, miss some turns every now and then. Because I'm listening to her, but uh, it it just shows you know it it crosses you know those kind of certain cultural things they can cross the ocean, and uh, we've definitely got some of it in our house. But anyway, anyway, you know, all these things we do they often associate us with a culture, but sometimes we have things in our culture that are bad, and when you get saved. You want to start living that Christian culture. You want to live a godly life. You want to change your culture. And it's not easy. It's a, it can be a very difficult thing. Just because you got saved doesn't mean everything's just going to magically change in your culture. We still have the same flesh that we did before we got saved. We now have the Holy Spirit working inside of us that can help us have victory over these things. But at the same time, it's, it's, you know, there's going to be challenges. And so what we've talked about in the last weeks, we talked about how if you're going to change your culture in your family, it starts with the head of the home. It starts with the leadership. The leadership has to be on board. We talked about traditions. You need to have some good traditions in your home. Some things that you practice that are part of your life. That's just what you do as, you know, uh, what we do as a McMurtry. You know, there's, there's things that are our families that I want to pass on. To my kids, you need to have purpose. You need to let your family know there's a reason that we do the things that we do. There, there's a goal in mind. You know, we are. Uh, we talk about how we are God's people. We, are, we are the people of God. We have been called to be separate. So there's a reason that we do the things that we do, and you need to teach those things. And then la- the last one we talked about was influences. You've got to watch what you're letting get shoved in your head through things like the television, through the internet. There's a lot of wicked influences out there. The culture surrounding us is very wicked. And remember, these messages are for your family, not necessarily how to change the culture around us. The culture around us is wicked, 
it's going downhill, it's going downhill fast, but I don't want to go downhill with it. So we've got to be careful what influences we have in our life. We have some good influences, but then this is the last one, the last subject I want to talk about to kind of close out this series. Okay, when it comes to how we're going to change our culture, we've just got to understand, and there's a word that a lot of people don't like, but there's going to have to be some fighting that's involved. Okay? In other words, we're going to have to fight back. Because when it comes to the culture that's around us, they are actively trying to persuade us to do wicked things. They are trying to get us to tolerate abominations. They are wanting us to embrace these things. And they, I mean, people are now even being encouraged to practice these different things. In fact, one of the things that I've heard them on the news media talk about this, I heard them talking about it on the radio, they're talking about how difficult things are it is for transgenders because they're having a hard time finding people to date them. Okay? And they're telling straight people, you need to be open to dating a transgender. They're like, well, I'm sorry, I like women. Well, yeah, but he says he's a woman, you know. You ought to... No! Alright? I'm sorry, I'm not going to be influenced by that. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, if, you know, I'm married, so I don't have to worry about it, but if you're single, you don't need to check to see if that's okay. That, that is wrong on so many levels. And to hear people promoting that and just telling normal people that they need to be open to dating the same sex or a, tra- a tranny or whatever, just, that is insane. And the thing is, we, we're wondering why our families are going downhill today. And I'm telling you right now, one of the reasons is because churches have quit fighting back. Right. And we have got to fight back. And not just churches, but Christian people. They've quit fighting back. They've taken this approach that you know we're just going to stand. We're just going to take a stand. And I like that. That sounds good. Take a stand. But sometimes you need to actually push forward. Sometimes you actually need to advance. If you just take a stand, and if you don't just move, if you just take this, we ain't changing approach that people that people are taking. We're just not going to ever change. We're not going to move. We're not going to do anything. Well, the problem is, you're eventually going to get pushed back. Eventually, you're going to get overtaken. And it's high time that we actually fight back against the wicked culture. And we've got families today, they're trying to do whatever they can to just preserve what they have, but they have decided they're not going to fight back against all the wickedness. And if you don't fight back, you are eventually going to be overtaken. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, they're not going to quit fighting. They're not going to quit advancing. They're not going to quit pushing. And if you just take a passive or I'm not going to move stand, you're going to get moved eventually. And it's high time people get actively involved in the fight and start pushing back. We do like Timothy, that we war a good warfare. That we actually fight back and that we accomplish something. That's how we're going to change our culture. We, our family needs to see us in the fight. They need to be a part of the fight. And when, I'm telling you, once you get in the fight too, it is, it's just more motivation to actually do something. So mistakes though that Christians often make, because you know, a lot of people are like, well, we're not supposed to fight. We're all supposed to get along. Well, somebody needs to tell Paul that. He said in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life wherein to thou art also called, and ask professed a good profession before many witnesses. In 2 Timothy 4.7, he said, I have fought a good fight. Okay? And listen, if you're fighting, that implies somebody you're fighting against somebody or something. 
It means somebody is coming at you. It's not a fight if there's no enemy. It's not a fight if there's if, if you don't have if you're not going against someone. You, know, you have these preachers that oh, you know, I'm not against anybody. I'm for everybody. Well, then you're not fighting the good fight. You're not fighting if you're not going against anybody. If you have no opponent, we've got to be fighting. And many Christians today, one of the mistakes they've made is they have convinced themselves that there is no enemy. They've got this attitude: there is no enemy. You know, why can't we all just be friends? You know, the fame. Why can't we be friends? You know, that's a carnal song, but I'm sure you all probably know it. That's that. I mean, I'm surprised that hasn't become a hymn of the faith in a lot of churches today. <laughs> Because that is the way they are practicing. That is that is their method. That is the preaching that they're doing. And it it just it absolutely blows my mind. I just saw a clip this morning of John Getch. I mean, he's the president of West Coast Baptist College, talking about how wrong it is that you know, and talking about how you know, we should be respectful to all people, all cultures, and basically it doesn't matter if a person's a homosexual, you know, whatever. You know, they deserve to be treated with respect. I'm just thinking, are you crazy? Are you insane? We're just going to let perverts in the church now? And just act like that's okay? And they wonder why they keep losing people into their church to homosexuality. You know why? Because they quit fighting. They quit fighting a long time ago and they are not changing their culture. Their culture is changing them. And boy, is it getting obvious. I just watched some of their music videos they put out recently. And I'm telling you, man, they've got a lot of effeminate guys in that school. I mean, it's they're practically promoting, you know, just faggotry or whatever you want to call it. It's absolutely disgusting. And it's time people. I mean, if we could just get the Baptists to fight back, I think we I think we can make a difference. But unfortunately, they're fighting with the enemy in many cases. But we've got to understand we do have an enemy. First Peter five eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So, first off, we do, there is a real devil who is seeking to devour us. And you've got to understand that we should fight back against the devil. We are supposed to resist him. We're supposed to be opposition to him. We shouldn't just be in a defensive mode against the devil. We ought to be in an attack mode against the devil. We ought to be out there. I mean, we ought to be getting in his territory. We ought to be messing with his people. We ought to be giving him fits. But what do we have today? We have Christians. They're just kind of sitting. They're hiding out and just you know in total fear of the devil. And it's like they're just going to get in their own little stronghold, their own little safe place. And, but no, you've got to actually get out and fight. If you just hide, eventually they're going to get through. No matter how strong of a fortress you put up, if you don't fight back, if you don't start shooting back, eventually they're going to break through and they're going to get you. And you can't just have a defensive mode. If we're going to save our families as Christians, we can't just go and live out on a commune somewhere and just try to get ourselves all cut off from the world hidden from the world, eventually our kids are going to get bored out there and they're going to want to come out here and do like the Amish and have a rumspring or whatever it's called and to see what it's all about. But you know, maybe if we actually lived among the world and we were fighting against the world and they got to see what it was really like and what the ends of these things are, that would probably be some pretty good inspiration for them to stay out of the junk of this world. 
You know, because I grew up in a home that was my dad was constantly fighting against the alcohol. He was constantly fighting against these things of the flesh. I got to see some things that made me say, you know what? I don't want any of that for my life. And thankfully, I've not even been tempted to ever, you know, do anything like drink or do drugs and things like that. I've never even had the temptation to do that. I believe a big part of that is because I grew up in a home that fought against that stuff. They didn't just take a, well, we don't do that in our home approach. They didn't just take a defensive position. It was an offensive position. And I believe that makes a difference right there. You can't be all defense. You'll eventually get worn away. My dad always said, and I've repeated this before, I could beat up the toughest guy in the world if he promises not to fight back. And no matter how strong you are, if you don't fight back, you will eventually be overtaken. That's just, that's just a fact, and you're going to have to fight back. We have an adversary that is very real. The devil is very real. It says in 2 Corinthians 2.10 also, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." Now, unfortunately, with the devil, it's not a physical enemy that we can see. It's a spiritual battle that we have with him. And the devil, he uses spiritual things. And in this case right here, he's talking about forgiveness. He's saying, listen, I'm going to forgive you. You know why? Because if I don't have forgiveness, Satan is going to be able to use that against me to destroy me. And because we're not ignorant of the devices of Satan... You know what we do? We fight. One of the ways we fight back, we forgive others. We forgive those who have wronged us. We forgive people in the church. We forgive our brother if he trespasses against us. Why? Because that bitterness can grow in our life and Satan can use that to take us down and to defeat us. And because we're not ignorant and we realize that there is a devil out there that is actively trying to destroy me and he could destroy me if I don't have forgiveness in my life, so I'm going to actively, I'm going to fight back and I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to go even farther than that. I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to bless them that curse me. I'm going to do these things because there's a real devil out there that's going to try to take me down. But a lot of people would agree with what I'm saying here, but they're like, but you know, yes, the devil's our enemy, but people are never our enemy. People, you know, you can't be ever against people. Well, 2 Corinthians 16, or 1 Corinthians 16.9 says, for a great door and effectual is open on me, for there are many adversaries. Alright, now is he talking about the devil and demons there? Or is the Apostle Paul talking about people right there? Alright, what's he talking about right there? Because, you know, are sometimes our adversaries actual people? And, and go ahead and go over Ephesians 6.12 because I imagine there may be some thinking about Ephesians 6.12. This is the verse people like to bring up when we start fighting with people that are adversaries, they'll be like, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Man, we're not supposed to fight against people. Man, you know, I understand, you know, Sam Git, you know, blasphemed in the name of Christ and, you know, teaches Jesus as a Messiah, but, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Don't you dare say anything against Him. Well, here's the thing. I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's why I haven't beat Him up. That's why I haven't taken a shot at him. That's why I haven't laid a hand on the man. Because I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, but you better believe I'm wrestling against the man's message. You better believe I'm wrestling against 
His teaching. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. I've called out many false prophets, but I've never punched any false prophets. You know why? Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but you better believe I'm going to wrestle against them spiritually and against their message. And that sometimes means naming the names. It means calling out people. Why? Well, it's the devil that's doing it. Well, yeah, well, but the devil's using these guys. And because people can't physically see the devil and they can physically see these guys, I'm going to let people know who they are and we're going to mark them that cause divisions. Which is what the Bible says to do. And people are like, oh, you, know, you shouldn't be calling these people out. You know, don't. But here's the thing. The Apostle Paul didn't have any problem calling people out. You know, people get so mad at me. I can't believe you call these people out on YouTube. You know, I don't, I don't believe in these YouTube hit jobs, blah, 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 blah. You know, just, you know, why can't we all, why can't we be friends? You know, that's, that's they start singing that song. And, the, but the truth is, alright, yeah, I have publicly called some people out on YouTube, but you know what? The Apostle Paul, he called some guys out in the inspired scriptures. That will never spread any more than any video I have ever put out. YouTube cannot make anything go more viral than the Word of God has gone viral. Right here in the passage we started out reading, he said he gives an example of people who've been made shipwreck. He says of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, and this is probably the same Hymenaeus that was mentioned too, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is already past. Man, he named this guy twice. Why can't he get over it? You know, this is probably the same Alexander. The Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Okay, he called him out in the Word of God, and we're still talking about it two thousand years later. Okay? And think you think about that for a minute. And so I don't think it's wrong for us to publicly mark these people. I believe we have been commanded to do that. We've been called to do that. But today you got people today they think well that guy's got a Baptist on his name, therefore he's not our enemy, and we shouldn't be calling him out. I've called out some of the trendies that are out there. Josh Tice is one of them I like to call out. The king of the trendies with his idea days and stuff. Trying to promote just this skinny jean type churches. Just, I mean, the homosexualing of churches like I've never seen before in my life. And there's another guy, he's a pretty good guy. He wrote an article kind of against that whole movement. But he kept saying how he's not my enemy. And I'm thinking, he's my enemy. You better believe he's my enemy. You know, and that, that's, and they're always saying that whenever they actually call these people out, they keep talking about how they're not their enemy. As if they're a bad person if they have an enemy. No, you know what that means? If you have an enemy, it means you're actually in the fight. Okay, when you're in the fight, you're gonna have an enemy. And it's amazing these guys who are writing their articles, they're preaching their sermons, supposedly against all this, you know, wickedness that's going on in churches, but they keep saying, I don't have any enemies. You know, first off, I just think they're lying. Because somehow they've got this idea that it's bad if you have enemies. You know, I mean, I, I mean, listen, I know the Pope's bad. I know the Pope's a false prophet. The Pope's not my enemy. He's my enemy. You better believe he's my enemy. That guy is sending millions to hell with the things he's teaching. Some of these TV preachers that are out there and all the junk that they're preaching, the lies they're telling people, they're sending people to hell and they're not your enemy. Somebody who is actively getting good fundamental Baptists to change and just to go to all this new evangelical junk, bringing in the rock music, bringing in the skinny jeans in the church, all that stuff, 
I mean, he's, he's taking these churches down a bad path and he's not your enemy? What's wrong with you? I mean, that would be like some guy comes breaking in your house, he's hurting your family, he's abusing your family, and then you're trying to make friends with that guy. Well, he's not my enemy. Yeah, he is. He's in, he's in your house messing with your family. You better believe he's your, he's your enemy. And you better start treating him like an enemy. And you better take care of that guy. You better break out the shotgun and blow his head off or you know, throw him out the window. Do something. He's hurting your family. But you want to look like a nice guy. You want to act like you're all just filled with the fruits of the Spirit in a way that means even a guy that's abusing your family is not your enemy. Yes, he is. And the truth is, how can we love our enemies if we don't have any enemies? Think about that for a minute. These people will say, I have, these people are not my enemies. Then tell me, how do you love your enemies? Think about that for a minute. That's just, and that's something these guys don't want to talk about. They'll bring up love your enemies when we're calling out our enemies. But the truth is, it's loving to call these people out. It's loving. Why? Because hopefully they'll hear the rebuke, and if they are, if they have any decency in them at all, maybe they'll get right. Maybe they'll actually get saved. Truth is, when I'm actually calling out my enemies, if I'm calling out their false doctrine, I am being loving to them. But these people are not. They are not loving. They have no enemies, and there's something wrong with that. And they wonder why they keep losing their people. They keep wondering why they're losing their kids to this stuff. They keep wondering why you know their churches are all falling for this junk. They have gotten out of the fight. And you've got to get in the fight and you've got to call this stuff out. I said, But we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not going to kill them. We're not going to hunt them down. But we are going to call out the false teaching. 2 Timothy 2.17 says, And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth of error, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. See, these guys, they're preaching what was so bad about it. It wasn't just that they were wrong. It's they're overthrowing the faith of others. They're taking other people down with them. And you can say, well, you know, this person's not my enemy. Well, great. While he's not being your enemy, he's destroying other people. Other good people are going down with him. So just understand, great, you have no enemies, but you are also ineffective. You are doing nothing good for the cause of Christ. You're letting things go downhill. You're letting things fall apart. You're not changing your culture. And it's time that you actually get in the fight. And so, we're going to keep calling them out. The Apostle Paul did it. John the Baptist did it. Jesus did it. We're going to do it. It's absolutely biblical. So the first mistake they make, they convince themselves there is no enemy. But then secondly... You can convince them that they'll understand there is an enemy, but then they just decide we're not going to fight back. And look what it says in Jude 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Why do we need to earnestly contend? Why is it uh, why is it a battle? Why is it a fight? Here's why. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, here's the thing. The mistake people are making is they're not realizing that while they have taken this, okay, we have an enemy, but I'm not going to fight approach, these other people are sneaking in 
like these trendies that have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. They have crept in unawares and while these old IFB guys have decided, well, we're not going to fight. They're not our enemies. These guys are leading people astray by the droves. These guys are... I mean, I'm telling you, my generation today is an embarrassment when it comes to the churches that they're putting out. I am embarrassed by my generation and the way they're preaching today, the way they act, what's going on. And what happened? While the the older generation was sitting around not fighting, it allowed another group to just come in and just have their way in the church. And, the, and I'm telling you, churches, Bible colleges are crawling with these people and nobody's doing anything to fight back. And the thing is, if we don't fight back, they will eventually beat us. And then even today, while the old IFB is just not fighting, while they are basically suppressing their message, they're not using social media, they're not using the tools that we use in this church to get their message out, you better believe the trendies are. The trendies are all over the internet. The trendies are using all the tools that are available today to get their message out while the old IFB is not using those things. They've decided they're not going to fight back against that and they keep wondering why they're losing people. And folks, they... They have the I used to you know the the old Paz conference in Elgin I used to go to that every year it's been the same thing every year for years don't change don't change don't change while they password protect everything they're putting out then they say some good stuff at these meetings against the trendies but they don't let it get it leave the door four doors or four walls of that building they keep it all suppressed in, inside there and then they get up and then they criticize. Pastors in their congregation who are using the internet, who are using YouTube and Facebook and all these things, they criticize them because that's what these other guys are using. Okay, well, great. While they're using those public things and winning people over like crazy, you are using nothing. You're using nothing. You're saying it in here privately to a group and you're telling them not to use the tools to fight back. You know, that would be like telling us to go to battle with a bunch of people with machine guns with swords. Well, I believe we need to stick to the old paths. David used a sword. David used a sling. you never seen him using a toting a machine gun around. Yeah, but our enemies today are using machine guns. So that's what we need. If you want to use the sling and the stone of a radio program, go ahead. While they're using the machine gun of YouTube, that's fine, but you know what? I'd rather give me a machine gun. I'd rather use a weapon that's equivalent to what they're using against me to fight back. And that's all these old past conferences are. They've got one coming up this month and it's just going to be a big crying session. Oh, why are these people all changing? we got to get them off the internet. A bunch of whiteheads talking about that. Why, can't, why aren't these people listening to the great men? You know, Jack Hiles would roll over in his grave. Lester Roloff. You know, dead people, dead people, dead people. That's all they're going to talk about. And, and then, and then watch this too. I'm just calling it out right now. They won't mention a single name at that conference. They won't mention a single name. If any, if they mention a name, it'll probably be Steven Anderson. That's it. He'll be the only one, not even realizing he's probably doing more for their side than they even know. And that that's probably the only name they'll have the guts to mention. 
They're not going to mention, you know, they're not going to mention West Coast by name or Paul Chapel by name. You know what they always say? This is the code that they always say there. They always talk about the left coast. The left coast cuz you know, left wingers, you know. But it they don't want to say West Coast because that's just too specific. They're they're cowards and so they, you know, they say left coast all tongue in cheek. You know, they just they have no guts and they wonder why those out at Left Coast Baptist College are winning their people over while their people are all going over to their conferences and getting caught up in all that stuff. They're not fighting back. And if they do fight back, I mean, it's a little girl slap. All right? it's, like watch, I mean, it's like watching a you know, little five-year-old girl fight you know, where they're slapping each other and pulling hair and things like that. That's not effective. That's not, that's not going to get the job done. But that, I'm telling you, the, the Old Paths Conference in Elgin, that is all it is. And it's embarrassing. The last year I went to it, one of the, they still, they never named Paul Chapel. They never named West Coast. But you know what they did do? They got up and they played a song that was from one of their albums. They still didn't name it. They actually played one of their songs in the conference and then they played, uh, like the, you know, CCM version of it where it actually came from, showing how they're using contemporary Christian music. But even then, even when they play their music, they still wouldn't say the name. Why? Because that's, that's just politically wrong. That's politically incorrect. And they wonder why they're continuing to lose people. They've got to actually get in a fight. They can't be afraid to get a black eye and to get a little bloody. But they're always just worried about being all dignified. I can't ever look dirty. Let me tell you something. You're doing the right thing, you're going to get dirty sometime. You get in the fight, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get bruised up. I was thinking of you know if I if I was good at Photoshop, I'd like to have photoshopped the a picture of the preachers at the Make America Straight Again conference. You know we're all standing there smiling, but like Photoshop is like all just like looking beat up with black eyes and missing teeth and stuff. Because let me tell you something, we got the snot beat out of us in that during that whole month by all the weirdos out there. I mean, let me tell you, they beat the snot out of me online, but let me tell you something. I might have got the snot beat out of me, but I'm still smiling, and I'm still fighting, and they didn't slow me down one bit. I'm going to admit right now, yeah, we took some hits. Yeah, you search my name right now on YouTube, you're going to find some unpleasant things right there. Yeah. But let me tell you something. When a fight came, I sure didn't run. The old IFB, they still look as fresh as a daisy. I mean, their makeup didn't even get messed up. But let me tell you, but did they accomplish anything during that time? Absolutely not. They got nothing done. And you know what? Next year, when June comes around and Pride Month gets going again, you better believe I'm going to get the snot beat knocked out of me again. You better believe I'm going to get beat up again. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to land some punches myself during that time. And the fight is great. And I plan, and I'm looking forward to round two. And I ain't getting in the closet. I'm not going in the closet with the old IFB, the closet they're hiding in that the homos came out of. Forget that. You know, I, I, I don't want to be in a closet that the homos were in. Not until that's been sanitized and everything. You know. But even that, I'm not going in it. Old IFB can hide in there all they want. But, you know, see, while, while we're sleeping, while people are being all nice and friendly, these people are out fighting and killing the flock. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 29, the Apostle Paul, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall men arise 
from your own self. So these people are going to have the name Baptist on them. They're from your own crowd. From your own people. He said men are going to rise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So, thing it, while people are sleeping, they're just letting people kill the plot. But Paul said, we ought to be watching for them. He warned them, you be watching for them. They're going to they're come up, they're going to be from your own crowd. They're going to rise up speaking perverse things. They're trying to draw disciples after them. These people are grievous wolves. They do real damage and you better fight against them. So, right, the third thing, mistake people make at first, they're convincing themselves there is no enemy. They're, they understand there's an enemy, but then they don't fight back. But then the third thing, they often make alliances with the enemy instead of utterly destroying the enemy. Go to, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection? No, not for an hour, that the truth of the Gospel might continue with you. He said, we didn't give these people nothing. We didn't give them anything. You know why? Because that would hinder the Gospel. So he said, we kept, we, we didn't, we didn't give them anything. And we're seeing it today where Baptists are making alliances with people they shouldn't. Crown College, Clarence Sexton, bringing in guys like Ken Ham to come preach at their, speak at their college and even preach in his church, making alliances with people of other religions, people with other Gospels. That was one of the things that Keith Gomez did several years ago when there was a fight going on over the King James issue. He decided to make an alliance with alliances with the Ruckmanites. And he did it to his destruction. You don't make alliances with people. Well, yeah, I know they've got these messed up doctrines here, but they're really good in the King James. I'm sorry. We ought to be able to fight that battle without them. We ought to be able to win the King James issue without the Ruckmanites. I don't believe we need them. I don't even think they help. But the truth is, many churches today and many Christian people, in order because they just want to get along and look like they're loving and hug everybody, they're making alliances with people that are going to end up destroying them. And we don't have time to go back in the book of Joshua. If you, if you study the book of Joshua, there was all these people that God told them, when you go into the land, utterly destroy them. Utterly destroy them. If you, if you study that out, the people that they did not utterly destroy like the Amalekites, like the Philistines, all of those people are who all the bad stories are about in the book of Judges and First and Second Samuel. That's where Goliath came from. All the people that they did not utterly destroy like they were supposed to, they ended up being all the challenges that we read about in the rest of the Bible. They did not follow God's command completely they just got comfortable. Hey, well, we're good now. We've got them under control. We're the majority. They're not hurting us right now. But the problem is, while they were leaving them alone, they were growing. And they ended up eventually overtaking them and destroying them. And sometimes people just get tired of fighting. I think that's what happened in the old IFB. A lot of them just got tired of fighting. They used to be in the fight. They used to always be black and blue and you know have teeth knocked out and black eyes and all that stuff. That's how they used to be. It used to be a bloodbath in the old IFB. And that was a good thing. They were getting the job done. They were accomplishing some things. 
But at some point, they just got tired of fighting. And sometimes it's easier to just try to get along. But in the long run, we always make things worse. Any battle that we put off tomorrow is only going to be more difficult. That battle is only going to get more difficult the longer we put it off. And we might be weary right now. We might be tired and thinking, we fought enough. But it's better to get it over with. It's better to fight the battle now and and, and win these things. It's only going to get harder in the future. And the thing is, when it comes to you, when it comes to your family, there is no better way to teach them the purpose of why we do what we do and with and then there is when you actually get them in the fight. That's when they get to see the reality of it. If you tell your family, if you teach them this attitude that everybody's good, everybody's our friend, we have no enemies, they're like, why can't we do what our friends are doing? You know, we we need to let them see this is the end result. What these people are pushing, what they're promoting, it destroys churches, it destroys families. And we need to actually fight against it. And when you actually fight against it, when you've actually uh, you know, been in the battle and you've seen the battle, it kind of gives you a greater appreciation for things. And many families today, and this is very common with Christian families and with homeschool families, is they have used the church and they have used even homeschooling as just a, as a way of shelter only. And it is great. I, I do believe in some shelter, but at the same time, we have been called to a battle. We have been called to a fight, and we can't avoid that. Sometimes we've got to leave our little shelters, and we've got to go out there and get in on the spiritual battle. We've got to go actually go knock some doors. We've got to go actually confront some things. We have to actually say some things. People are wrong. Sometimes, even in our families, we have to step up and say, hey, this is wrong. We can't participate in that. We have to take a stand. We have to actually fight a fight. We have to we have to fight some battles. We need to win some. We need to lose some. All these things are what show our children that this is real. And if we just go into defense only, it's only a matter of time and the devil and this world is going to break through and we're done for. And so it's important that we get in this fight. Otherwise, we're going to fall asleep and be overtaken. And I can promise you this, the enemy is not going to stop. And we need to look forward to our rest when we get to heaven. Let's not take our break on earth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. Thank You for Your Word. And I pray You'll help everyone here to get involved in the fight. Help them to realize that uh, souls are in the balance, Lord. There's people out there who uh, they need to be saved. We need to get the Gospel to them. There's people out there that maybe they're saved, but uh, they're backslidden. They're getting caught up in the things of the world. It's making them miserable. It's destroying their lives. And Lord, we need to help people in that area. We need to make a difference. And so I pray You'll help all of us as a church uh, to take a stand against the things of this world, against the wickedness that's going on even in churches, and help us to make a real difference, to help us to make a lot of noise. And Lord, help us to uh, when we to take pride in our black eyes and things that we get from the world when the, when the stones come our way and when things uh, go against us. But I pray You'll just help us to uh, be vigilant in this battle. In Your name we pray. Amen.